waxwork, 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 all original creative projects, waxwork, 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 waxwork.com. Thank you very much. My name is Jordan White, and we have a jam-packed episode today. So we are going to race through it, and we are going to get to everything right away. Uh, let me introduce my co-host. This right next to me is Mr. Frank Allen. Hello, how's it going? Good, I'm going good. Thank you. How are you doing? Next to you, of course, is Mr. Rory Sinjin. Yes, Jordan, here I am. Yep, that's Rory, and things are going well for him, I'm sure. Uh, over here, we have Mr. Scape White. Hi, Dad, how are you? I'm good. I already said I'm good. Let's not repeat ourselves. Thank you very much. My name is Jordan White. As I said, we have a lot of things going on. Frank is uh, going through some things in his life, aren't you? You're still working at the convenience store? No, it's a supermarket. Thank you very much. Right, supermarket. But you do have a thing on the show later today, don't you? Frank Allen interviews. Which is going to be terrific. Which is going to be terrific. Uh, Rory, things are going well with the Hirohito Loveburger Institute up in uh, the Bronx? Yes, things are going pretty well. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. And Scape, uh, have you gotten back to rock school yet? No, I haven't gotten back to rock school. Why would I get back to rock school? That's really irresponsible of you, but you did record a song. Yeah, I did a cover. That's good. That's good. Okay, um, what about me? Uh, things are going well with me. Uh, the zoo is going well. And uh, oh, I have a special guest here, Dr. Mike Pembleton, who has been running the zoo for me. <laughs> That's what you think. That is correct. So we've got a lot of things. We've got so many things. Like I said, uh, we do have a Frank Allen interview for the first time in a really long time. We have a bunch of This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History is from Rory. And we also have two amazing serials. We have The Diner. And we also have Nathan Van Etten Saves Vermont. So let's just get right to them. I'm going to start playing them right now. Here we are. The Diner, created by Angela Tymon, written by Angela Tymon, Lisa Paquette, Daniel Schwartz, and Charles Berman. Episode 9, Neither Noir. Parlor Town. That's what the place would have been if that's where we were. But we weren't, so it wasn't. No, we were in our own special kind of hell. The kind of hell that landed a no-nonsense dame like me and all-nonsense place like the diner. We thought it was a place where we served food, but this all-night sandwich bar turned out to be a place where food served us. You might come to the diner looking for a bowl of soup and end up with a job. The only thing worse than the bowl of soup. And that's what befell Stew. This jukebox in way of my singing, how can I to turn this thing off? Hey! Hopeless, Norris. Give it up. I've been putting coins in this jukebox all day, and it plays nothing but this brooding ambient music. Looks like someone selected brooding ambiance number seven. It's twelve hours long. Jen. But that's an entire shift. (laughs) And Mike, would you mind not smoking in here? I don't know, Jen. It just feels right on a night like this. A night where the only thing sadder than the customers here is having to look at them. I came in expecting a normal shift, and with expectations like that, it's a shock I came in. See? Okay. If you're gonna keep smoking, I'll wait it out in the bathroom. I walked into the bathroom, full of a desire to escape the- Oh my- God, there's blood everywhere! The ba- 
bathroom, guys. It's covered in blood. Jen. Of course there's blood everywhere. It's the ladies' room. Little do they know it's not like that. Not like that at all. I mean, sure, there's blood. But this was too much blood. Way too much blood. Way too... Too much blood. For the places the blood was. Like somebody went in there. And bled. It was Madame Futura, the circus fortune teller. Two-bit palmist from a two-bit circus who will tell you maybe half a bit of the future for your two bits, if you were lucky. She usually had tomato soup, but today, something was different. Something was off. Well, the tomato soup was, of course, but something else, too. Table, Madame Futura? Not say in this forsaken place of blood, 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 blood. Goodbye. How did she know? Was it her blood? She always looked so bloodless. Maybe she was anemic, or maybe it was something else. Looks like it's about time you bring in that sign, Jen. What sign? The sign that says, if you're a few beers short of a six-pack, this might be the place to stop. Why do we even have that sign? We don't have a liquor license. Jen. What? I didn't say anything. I thought I heard somebody saying my name. Maybe you're just used to hearing people say Jan all the time. Maybe I was. Maybe when three o'clock rolls around on a cold, desolate night like this... When it feels like the people holed up in this one little roadside cafe might be the only ones left alive in this funny little universe. Maybe you have to start hearing your own name. Maybe you say it to yourself, just to remind you you exist. Who are you talking to? I don't know, Carter. I don't even know anymore. I get the sense you're feeling lonely, Jen. Jen... Okay, this is somebody's idea of a joke, right? Not that this is a night for jokes. Man, what a crap worker I am. Late the first day. <laughs> I think it's best you skip this joint. And fast. We're not buying any of what you're selling. Yeah, don't you work here too? <laughs> Listen, rookie. This is a night for veterans. And I don't think you can cut mustard. Look, there's spooky shit going on, and you laughing all the time is... just weird. Alright, Tuts. I can see when I'm not wanted. <laughs> that sound from the other room. The unmistakable sound of a woman screaming. There was only one way to find out what the shocked dame in the dining room was screaming about. And that was to go in there and look. But when we got in there, she was out colder than the heart of Ayn Rand. She was just sitting there quietly, eating and minding her own business. She must have seen something, because when she went white as a sheet and out like a hack Wilson dinger, but not before throwing up soup all 360 degrees of the room. And when we looked for ID, all we could find was this. Cross that shudders like a thing alive. All right, miss. We'll just need a handle on the facts here. Thanks for this info. 
Uh, don't let this bird skip town, Mike. Jen. I heard it that time. Me too. Could it be the soul of someone who was fed through the mangler? We've never fed anyone through the mangler. Then again, I'm not sure it's fair to say we've ever fed anyone at all. It came from the fridge. <coughs> Jen, at last. Shit had well and truly gone bananas. The Diner, created by Angela Timon. Written by Angela Timon, Lisa Paquette, Daniel Schwartz, and Charles Berman. Episode 9, again. Noir, really? What the hell are you? Mom, you don't remember me? You made yourself a sandwich like five episodes ago. Well, here I am. Sammy the Sandwich, at your service. Uh, talking sandwich. Yeah, the mold that encrusted me over time developed the ability to speak and think. Of course, Natch. Hold on. Are you the reason all this weird stuff has been going on? Huh? What weird stuff? Well, like the jukebox. Only playing brooding ambient music. Huh, that's a laugh. Like thinking speaking sandwiches like brooding ambient music. Ruth the business consultant put the jukebox in, and then she broke it so nobody could mess with it. She was worried about people playing that darn rock and roll. I've never seen a talking sandwich do air quotes before. There's a lot of things you don't know about me, kid. Yeah, like everything. And what about the blood? Blood! Blood! That was Matt, 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 that f***ing tool. He stubbed his toe last week, remember? Am I the only one who reads the script? Remember, he ran into the ladies' room and shouted, I have no time to notice that I'm running into the ladies' room when my toe is afflicted with pain. I tried to clean it up, but the more I tried, the more mess it made. I'm only a moldy sandwich, so sorry about that. And what about the fortune teller yelling about the blood? Blood! Blood! Madame Futura? She's a vegan. Vegan! Vegan? Yeah, I didn't want to say it three times. You know, vegans don't like to eat meat, which is served at your diner. That explained why she ran away. But, 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 what about the blood-curdling scream? She had the split pea soup. How would you react? Worse, probably. That poor heroic woman. Hold on! What about that shaking cross in her pocket? That was a vibrator. Cross vibrator? Nice. I'm impressed. And what about that voice that kept calling my name? That was me. Little surprised you didn't catch that. I had clearly been working there too long. In that episode of The Diner, old Jen was Julia Adams, Norris was Charles Berman, Jen was Angela Schwartz, Carter was Jaya Kunrat, Mike was Jordan Randall, Sammy was Mickey Weishner, Madame Futura was Cheryl Casey, Moxie was Cheska Miller, and Stu was Bailiff Quimby. Hello and welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Roy Sinjin. On April 23rd, 1616, historians believe Shakespeare died the same day he was born in 1564. He was, apparently, a playwright of some sort. 
I, I love watching shows here at the Globe, but sometimes it's just so loud. Oh, I know the chamber orchestra is often overwhelming. Oh, it's, it's, I think it makes other things harder to hear sometimes. There's this weird buzzing noise in my head. Earplugs, get your earplugs. Manufactured out of the finest cottons and fibrous matters. Earplugs, get your earplugs. Oh, that does sound fine indeed. What a strange device. But useful, I will get some. No, now nobody can listen to my plays. I am useless. I die. Oh, look at that. Shakespeare died. Oh. One man's loss is, of course, the gain of hearing everywhere, as it was learned that listening to music too loudly can damage your ears, so you should be careful how loudly you listen to the music. This is Rory Singen on WHRW Binghamton. But make sure you listen to this. My name is John Hodgman, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast in Wax. What most people don't realize about Shakespeare is that he was, in fact, the king of all hobos. It was some time before he became a Shakespearean playwright. He was riding what they called the rails. Of course, at that time, they were just stagecoaches. People would jump onto the back of other people's coaches and hold on tight, and they called themselves hobos because that was short for the word houseboy, which is what that position was originally designed for, the houseboy would hold on to the back of the carriages to ride until they got to the gate so they could open and close the gate of the estate. So when poor people began jumping on there, they said, look at me, I am a hobo, meaning houseboy. And thus, the young William Shakespeare became king of the hobos when he sneakily was able to ride in the houseboy position on the back of the queen's carriage. This was, of course, traditionally thought of as an impossible feat given the number of guards constantly surrounding the queen. But Shakespeare was able to accomplish it by jumping into the houseboy position while while a Tyrannosaurus Rex was rampaging through London. This distracted the guards, giving him the opportunity to become king of all the hobos. He used his rank to collect a tax from all hobos in London at this time, requiring that they give 10% of every ride on the carriage to him. Unfortunately for Shakespeare, his subjects didn't enjoy this fact, and so whenever they saw him riding on the back of a carriage, they would shout as loud as they could at him, saying, look, there's a hobo on the back of that carriage. Shakespeare didn't like getting shouted at, so he invented earplugs and put them in his ears, which protected him from the incredibly loud volume of the people shouting. Ironically, of course, his invention was the very thing that later caused his own death. It is an irony, truly, that would befit a Christopher Marlowe play. My name is John Hodgman, and this is Celebrity Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On April 30th, 1945, der Führer Adolf Hitler, dictator of Germany, burrowed away in a refurbished air raid shelter, consumes a cyanide capsule, then shoots himself with a pistol as his 1,000-year Reich collapses above him. Let's listen. Eva, my darling, the entire Reich is collapsing around our ears. Fortunately, little Adolf Jr. will carry on my legacy now, now that I am going to go. Yes. Adolf, you are setting such a bad example for our children. What do you mean? You swallowing things. Our children are swallowing their trucks. Oh, my God, you are right. I must find some way to kill myself that will not set a bad example for Adolf Jr., the future of the Reich. Um, quickly, hand me that pistol. I die. No, my, my husband and my child are dead. Ah, I suppose I must go live with the Jews now. Fortunately, the Allied forces already knew not to allow small children to play with toys with small parts, which is why uh, the Allied children grew up to have their own children and uh, live on even today as we listen to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't go live with the Jews just yet. Hi-ho, this is Kermit the Frog here on Celebrity, Where Are They Now in History? on Cast and Wax. And I'm here to talk about, uh, well, 
Adolf Hitler. When I think of Adolf Hitler, the first thing that comes to my mind is, there's a guy who didn't swallow things in front of little children. Sure, I think we can all think of things that Hitler did wrong. I mean, he tried to take over too much of the world too quickly. He discriminated against homosexuals, and even different types of Christians. But I think we all know that there were certain things he was right about. Primarily among them, that you shouldn't swallow things in front of children who might then learn that they should just swallow everything around them. They might have little trunks, like a little Hitler did, and choke on them. Now I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what about food? Shouldn't you swallow food? Well, maybe once in a while. But children do need to learn the difference between food and other things. And that's a lesson that they could take from Hitler. So remember, if you're thinking about eating something in front of a child that's not food, you shouldn't do it. Actually, I can't even think of a good reason to eat something that's not food, whether you're in front of a child or not. You know, it's probably just a safe assumption to say, don't eat things that aren't food. But especially don't let your children eat things that aren't food. They could choke. My name's Kermit the Frog, and this is Celebrity, Where Are They Now? in history on Cast and Wax. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Hello and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen, and we have a very special episode of Frank Allen Interviews lined up for you today. It's the episode that many people have been waiting for, possibly even as long as this show has existed, but at the very least, since I returned to Cast and Wax, it is the Frank Allen Interview with Frank Allen. Frank Allen, as you know, uh, started out as a, a uh, co-host of the show Cast and Wax before moving on to international fame and celebrity with his show Frank Allen's Investigativa Variety Hour, yeah, uh, which was broadcast around the world, except for, of course, in the United States of America. But all of that came to a tragic end when... Uh, well, I'm sure everybody knows the story of the, the killing that he had to do live on the air, but we're going to be talking about it today, of course, with me here in the studio. It's Frank Allen. Hello, Frank. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, Frank, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your beginnings before we uh, we get really into the uh, the killing. Oh, but of course, but of course. Now, you started out. Uh, you were born and raised in Binghamton, New York. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it is. That is where I am from. Uh, Binghamton is a notoriously depressed town at this point in in uh, the town's history. Yeah, that's true. That is unfortunately true. A lot of the industry has left, including yourself. You you moved out of Binghamton in. Uh, what was it, uh, 2007? Yes, I did. I, I wanted to come to New York City to try to get a job as a host, but that didn't work out for you. Well, no, not, not I mean, not as well as I would have liked. I, um, I came to New York uh, to get a job as a host. I ended up working at a supermarket, um, at, coincidentally the same supermarket I'm working at now, which it, it's a really nice supermarket, I'll be honest with you. They've got uh, good prices. They've got a good selection, you know. Uh, I, I, I help stock shelves when the, when the place closes down at this point, but I, I, I think they do a really nice job. That being said, I was pretty unsatisfied being there because I wanted to be hosting, you know, uh, debate shows or talk shows or news segments or things like that. So I, I had a dream, and um, I would say that getting to, to host uh, this show, uh, Frank Allen Interviews, was a big step in the right direction because it, it was able to give me a showcase that I could, uh, I could show off how I, uh, you know, was able to host, was able to ask probing questions. Right, right. Now, this is Frank Allen Interviews, uh, the show that you did on Cast and Wax uh, once Jordan started up the podcast. Right, right. Uh, when Jordan came to me and said, I'm going to start a podcast, I was immediately excited. I, I was very interested in that because, well, I, like I said, I wanted something to, to be able to show off that I can do these things so I could give it to people, use it as a calling card. Here's me Here's me uh, uh, hosting a podcast. Well, co-hosting. Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. I thought I was going to be hosting it at first, but uh, co-hosting a podcast eventually it became. But I, 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 I wanted to be able to, to show what that I was capable of. How did that work out for you? It went well. It went well. Well, I should say it went well at first. Um, 
Did it? Well, I mean, I don't know. What's well, really? How do you define well? Typically, if people are saying things went well, they're, they're talking about they achieved the goals that they wanted to achieve. Well, I did, I did end up with a show, so... Yeah, but, uh, but that doesn't seem like it was as a result of... I mean, let's, let's go through it really quick. We have a timeline. Uh, my research that I did on, uh, on uh, Wikipedia, I've got some notes. Uh, it says, so what happened was, uh, first, you were doing the show, you were doing the Frank Allen interviews, you inherited a lot of money, you quit the show. Uh, okay, yes, but that's... I mean, that's a side thing. Right. I mean, you told off everybody involved in the show, and then you left the show. Yeah, but, okay, no, I have, but I can, I I wasn't, it was because I I had a lot of money, so I didn't need them. Right, right. That's what I, that's what I have here on the paper. So you had a lot of money, you didn't need them, you started a, a, a corporation. Allen Industries. Yeah, Allen Industries, and uh, you bankrupted it. You ran it into the ground. How did that happen? I, I mean, look, that... <sighs> I made some poor choices, but that's that's neither here nor there because it's, it's basically irrelevant to the overall. I mean, we're here to talk about what happened on my show. I it's and this is super irrelevant. So because because yeah, I had it and then yeah, we bankrupted it. It was an accident, and I sold it and I uh, went back to the podcast. Right. So then you came back to the podcast and you um you did Frank Allen interviews more, a bunch more of those. Uh, and you were doing a lot of... Tr you, this is when you became obsessed with busting people, with catching people for crimes. You had this obsession with this one particular crime, the uh, Alan Thomas murder, because Alan Thomas, uh, my notes are saying, was killed in Binghamton, and you... It was your belief that Miss Lynn Nelson was the killer, is that correct? Yes, okay, yes. Now, I, it turns out I was mistaken, probably. Well, the police have decided that I was a uh, mistake. Well, the police, the police decided that because his brother, his twin brother, Galen Thomas, admitted that he did it. Right, but people admit to things all the time. Like, he could be a copycat killer. Well, no, he couldn't, he, he didn't copy him, he just said he did it. Oh, right, right, but I mean, he could be a serial confet- look, the point, I'm just saying, we don't, we didn't see, we weren't there that night, just because, according to the American justice system, Lynn didn't do it, doesn't, that doesn't change the fact, she really either did it or didn't do it. So, whether or not Galen Thomas did it, legally speaking, that doesn't mean that she didn't do it. Actually, in reality. Okay, yeah, but, uh, well, let's put that aside for a moment. So, you were obsessed with this, uh, Lynn Nelson murder, and you, uh, were proven wrong that it was, in fact, this gentleman, Galen Thomas, uh, according to the justice system, according to what everybody believes besides you. Uh, well, okay, I'll accept that. Right. So, at that point, now, at that point when that happened, uh, you were unemployed, uh, from what I recall, you had no job, you had just come off living, being actually homeless to a, a friend of yours, Mr. Rory Sinjin. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I would call him a friend. A okay, a colleague of yours, Rory Sinjin, took you into his home, and you were living in his home, uh, free of charge, trying to get back on your feet, and then you vanished. You just, during the middle of a podcast, walked off the set, never to be seen again for a, a while. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, that's correct. That is what happened. So, can you, I mean, what can you tell us about that? Why did, why did you do that? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll come right out and say it. I haven't uh, talked about this in public, I don't think, before. But what happened was, we were listening to an episode of the show Slam Jackson, uh, in which Slam was investigating the murder of Alan Thomas. Uh, he was hired by Lynn to prove she was innocent. And, um, by the way, to prove that she was innocent. So, I think it's, you know, that he's getting paid to prove she's innocent, so I think he would do anything to fabricate that she was innocent. All right, all right, but let's let's move that. Let's leave that aside again. Let's for, let's accept for a moment that Gail and Thomas did it. All right, all right. Um, well, uh, that's questionable, but all right. Uh, so we're listening to this confession of his, and he says, "Yeah, I killed my brother Alan Thomas. 
I'm here in France. I killed him. It was me and Frank that did it. Right, yes, that was uh, Franklin Shandy, who was also uh, eventually uh, caught and found guilty of the crime. Well, right, now we know this, uh, that it was Galen Thomas was working with Franklin Shandy. At the time, I'm thinking, I'll, I'll walk you through my thought process. At the time, I'm thinking, first of all, I'm still thinking Lynn killed Alan Thomas. Right, it was an obsession you had. Well, I mean... So I'm thinking she did it, and I'm thinking she'll do anything to make it so that she didn't do it in p- other people's eyes. So I'm thinking she hired this detective not only to f- to get someone else to confess to the murder, but to frame me. So I'm thinking when he says it was me and Frank, I think he means me. I am scared for my life. Lynn, listen, you've never met Lynn. Well, I mean, I have. I'm, I'm you. Right. Okay, fine. I mean, the listener. The listener hasn't met Lynn. If you have never met Lynn, her voice... On the, on the podcast, comes off very differently than her actual aura and presence. You know, she is, she's, she's frightening, I'll be honest with you. I, and she scares me. And accusing her of murder was probably the bravest thing I've ever done in my life. Because she, even before I realized that she did it. I mean, before you, you thought she did it. Right. Before I thought she did it, I was just, being in a room with her frightened me. I, I my heart would, you know, flutter a little. Not because I love her but because I was afraid. Uh, the point is, I was scared of her. And so when I found out that she did it, I, I, my first instinct was bury it. She's too frightening. She, will, she, she could kill me if I say this. But I, then I said, you know what, Frank, you're a journalist. You have, to, you have to do this. You have a responsibility to the people. So I, I put it out there. Anyway, the point is, when I heard this thing, it was Frank who did it, I, I knew instantly Lynn is trying to frame me and maybe even kill me. Kill you? What What does killing you have to do with, with framing you for murder? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just was, I was afraid, is the point. I was scared for my life, and, and maybe it was a little irrational. And it turns out, from what I am told, she didn't frame me. Well, no, I mean, she didn't. It was Galen Thomas and Franklin Shandy. They were the two who killed Alan Thomas. Right. Well, that's what we are told. I have a friend whose name is uh, Patsy Kennedy, and he has often told me, well, we've had long discussions on this topic, and he has he has alternate theories about how the public is being sold this story versus how this story actually went down. Let me guess, he tells you you shouldn't believe it. He does. Uh, and I think I believe it. Wait, you, so you believe the story? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I believe him. I believe him when he says don't. I'm, no, I don't believe the story. I, I have misgivings. I have severe misgivings about the story. But when he says don't believe the story, I kind of believe him because I think he would be straight with me. What does he have to gain from me not believing it? But what does, what does Lynn have to gain from me believing it? Right. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But again, a jury of peers convicted both Galen and Franklin. Yeah, but if it's their peers, then doesn't that mean that they wanted their peers to convict them? I mean, I, I'm not going to convict my peers of things. They're my friends. No, I don't. That's not what they mean by peers. Well, then they should call it something. Look, I. It doesn't matter. I know. I understand that this is a dead end. It's not going to get my career anywhere unless I have hard evidence, and maybe someday I'll have it. But I don't. But again, I'm here to talk about the uh, the incident on my show. So. Right. Well, right. Of course. But before we get to that, actually, uh, the idea of your show. So you left the podcast penniless, homeless, completely alone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then you ended up with in, an international show. I mean, uh, Jordan hired. Well, I mean, Rory paid for it, but Jordan hired Slam Jackson to find you after you were missing for a long time. And he found he found you eventually doing this show. But what he didn't exactly answer the question of was, how did you get this show? How did you go from a completely broke, homeless man on the streets of New York, I mean, literally, because you had to walk out of the door of Jordan's apartment and you were then standing on the street. How did you get from that street to the host of a show that films in, was it Rome? Yeah, yeah, we filmed in Rome. We had a nice studio. Gorgeous, 
gorgeous studio. Right. So how did you go from the streets of New York to, to living in Rome, having an apartment in Rome, having an apartment in New York that you could fly back and forth? How did you become that mogul? Well, I mean, obviously I worked hard. I think that talent will out. You know, if you put in the hours, you will eventually be recognized. Come on, for come that. on, come on. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually serious. I feel like I put in enough effort. I, I did the I did the homework and I did the time and I did the Frank, planning. Frank, Frank, who are you trying to bullshit here? I'm, I'm sorry. Who are you trying to bullshit? Are you trying to bullshit me? I'm not I'm not bullshitting. I really did work hard. My show is, I think, evidence of how hard I worked. Yeah, but work doesn't mean anything if you don't have money. Well, I mean, work doesn't mean anything if you don't have money. What I'm trying to say is there could be thousands of homeless people on the streets of New York right now who are all amazing television show hosts. They don't get picked up because they are dirty and have no money and people are afraid of them. So how did you become the one who actually has an international program? I, well, I mean, you know, I, I just I found backers. I don't believe you. Well, I, I mean, obviously I found backers. Fine. But I think there's more to it than that. Don't you? Look, I... I'm here to talk about the shooting. Right, but you wouldn't have a show if it wasn't for how you got the show. Now, let's go back a moment to when you were in Rory Sinjin's home, and you were walking around in your underwear drinking his milk. No, I, I don't see why we have to talk about that. And I, it was kind of my milk, too. It wasn't, but let's, let's go to that for a moment, shall we? There was a certain someone who was very excited about you walking around in your underwear. Do you remember this? This is, this is not... I didn't agree to talk about no, this. No, but we're going to talk about this. Okay, Frank? We are going to talk about this. Can you tell us who that was? Who was that someone who was highly interested in you walking around in your underwear? It was, um... It was, um... It was Evelyn uh, Edison. Evelyn Edison. Let's just uh, refresh for the listeners, if they don't recall, Evelyn Edison being... Uh, Evelyn is uh, formerly Evelyn Sinjin. Uh, she's Rory's mother, Rory Sinjin's mother, my co-host, and, um... She married uh, Thomas Edison. She divorced uh, Rory's father and married Thomas Alva Edison. Thomas Alva Edison, who is a friend of yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're yeah, we're we're friends. And Evelyn Edison was highly interested in you in your underwear. And then, since you've been back, you've talked quite a bit about not sleeping with Jordan's mother. Because I, I never slept with Jordan's mother. I don't know where this ridiculous rumor started. I never slept with Jordan's mother. I would never sleep with Jordan's mother, not because of anything bad about her. I, I, I've never met her. I wouldn't sleep with her because I respect Jordan, and I feel like it would be disrespectful for me to seduce his mother. And, and it would. But while talking about not sleeping with Jordan's mother, you have many times danced around the fact that you have slept with a mother. No, I mean, I never, I never said that. No, but you very clearly never allowed your co-host to say, Frank Allen has never slept with a mother. Well, I mean... Because why wouldn't they? There's no need to say that. Is it or is it not true, Mr. Allen, that the reason you would not say this is because you have slept with Rory Sinjin's mother, Evelyn? I, I don't... I mean, why, I don't see why you would... I don't know why you would ask me that. That has nothing to do with the, the murder. Answer the question, Mr. Allen. Did you or did you not sleep with Evelyn Edison? Well, but, but, but we learned on the show, he's not, she's not Rory's mother. So she's one of many mothers that he has, and so, so she's not her, his actual biological that mother. That doesn't change the fact that he calls her mother and lives with her half the time. Did you or did you not sleep with her? Come on, Frank. Did you or did you not sleep with Evelyn Sinjin Edison? Fine! Fine, yes. Yes, I did. And that's where you got the money to finance your show, isn't it? Yes, but it's not, it's not what you think. It's not, you, I did Very nice, 
Mr. Allen, very nice. You finance your own show by seducing another man's wife. No. And taking no. her copious no, amounts no, 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 no. of money. You, you, no, no, you misunderstand. Oh, then why don't you make me understand? I, I'm, tr I'm trying. I'm trying to explain. I'm trying to explain that's not how it went down. So then tell me, how did it go down? Tell me. You you make it sound like you make it sound like she was cheating on on her husband, but she wasn't. Oh, really? No, I'm no, because Thomas was Tom, Thomas. Thomas. Uh, well, go on. Uh, it was it was Thomas's idea. What? It was Tom, it was Thomas's idea, and I I mean, in a way, I didn't actually sleep with her. What are you talking about? Well, at, like you know, I was homeless, and I was. Completely alone. I didn't know where I could go for help. I didn't know who I could turn to. But I did remember. I did remember that uh, that Evelyn was fond of me. So I I was weak, and I reached out to her. And Evelyn, of course, you know, being the sweet woman that she is, she told me to talk to her son. She told me, you know, Rory will help you. He's a he's a good boy, and he will help you through this. I I couldn't. My pride wouldn't let me. So she said, let me talk to Thomas. Thomas and, and you are friends. Thomas reached out to me shortly thereafter. He teleported to where I was. He found me lying in a gutter. And um, he said he had a business proposal for me. Took me back with him to England. And uh, he told me... He told me that because of all the things that had happened to him, because in many ways he had ascended past what we traditionally know as, as human, uh, he, he was no longer able to interbreed with uh, with human women. So he loved Evelyn and and still does and um he wanted to know if he could use my body to reproduce with her. I'm sorry, what? He wanted to you he he was so that's why I'm saying I didn't in many ways I didn't sleep with her. My body slept with her and my, you know, genitalia Genitalia was the the genitalia. We understand. We we know what genitalia right, is. Right, right. But but my but my mind was not was not present at the time. Thomas took over my body uh, with his with his mind powers that he has, and he used me willingly. I'm not saying I didn't agree. I agreed, but he used me to fornicate with his wife and um, impregnate her and. Um, when the deed was done, I came to, uh, lying in Rory's bed, and I dressed, went out, and they gave me what I can only describe as a ridiculous and obscene amount of money. It was a really nice, nice amount of money. I could not carry it on my own. I had to, they, they, they sold me one of their servants. I mean, not, I didn't own him, but I hired one of their servants from them to carry the money, help me carry it. Um, but I used that money to start the Frank Allen Investigativa Variety Hour. So, let me just get this straight. The Frank Allen Investigative Variety Hour was founded on a financial base of prostitution. I would not say that. You prostituted yourself. You sold sex for money. I, no, no, because I didn't have the sex. Somebody else did. Yes, but somebody else did it with your body. So, in other words, two people had sex with your body for money. Well, I, I mean, that statement is technically one I cannot say is incorrect. So it's correct then. Thank well, you. I, I mean, yes. Right. So let me ask you this, Mr. Allen. 
You are here to give an explanation for what happened on that fateful day when so many people died live on your program. But why should we listen to the man who admits to having lied and slept his way into power? Why should we even bother hearing what you have to say? I think you're painting a really unfair picture of how I got there. I don't think so, sir. I, I mean, I have talent. I was able to bring these... I don't... I mean, I, this isn't what I came here for. But this is what I came here for, to expose you as the fraud that you are. I, th this is... This interview is over. This interview is over. I'm leaving. Oh, yes. Just walk out. Run away from your problems like you did back then. I, I am. This is ridiculous. I'm going. I'm leaving right now. Forget it. I don't know why you're doing this. What, what a coward. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you learned something here tonight uh, about Frank Allen. Uh, but regardless, uh, I think you did learn something about, well, about Frank Allen. So I think uh, I think the, the, the book is closed on that whole incident now, now that we know pretty much everything there is to know about what led up to it. <sighs> this was a tough one, I'll be honest with you. This was a really, uh, a really draining interview, but I'm glad I did it. For Frank Allen Interviews, this is Frank Allen, and thank you very much for listening. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On May 7th, 1915, the British ocean liner Lusitania is torpedoed without warning by a German submarine off the coast of Ireland. The attack aroused considerable indignation in the United States, but Germany defended the action, noting that it had issued warnings of its intent to attack all ships, neutral or otherwise, that entered the war zone around Britain. Let's listen. Wow, this letter looks really interesting, but it's... Not mine. Dude, open it anyway. It looks really cool. Really? Should I? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Oh, it's only something about some stupid attack. Oh, that's boring. Throw it I out. I know, yeah. So you have opened the letter. Fire the missiles. Ah! Eek! I shouldn't have opened that letter. Of course, opening other people's mail is, in America, a federal offense, and in general is looked upon as being quite impolite. And you shouldn't do it, especially when starting a world war. This is This Day in History on WHRW, Binghamton. Say, are any of you stationed on the USS Madison? Hi, my name is Brad Majors, and this is my fiancée, Janet Weiss, and you're listening to Celebrity, Where Are They Now in History? on Cast and Wax. The fact is that Janet and I have just gotten engaged, and we're out here celebrating, heading out to see a good professor of ours, Dr. Everett Scott. We met in his examit. An examit, so you know, is like an exam, but you're examining something. Little did the professor know I was examining Janet. Oh, Brad! It's true, Janet. I couldn't take my eyes off you the entire time. Dr. Scott would be going on about, you know, science and things like that, but all I could concentrate on were the golden brown waves of your hair cascading down your shoulders. Of course, at the time, you didn't even know who I was, so I followed you around. I followed you all the way back to your house. You went inside, and I realized she didn't check her mail. Acting as naturally as I could, I walked down the street, sauntered, you might say, right past your mailbox and took out the mail that was inside. Took it right back to my car, opened it up, and read it all. I was aghast at the things that I found in there. It said you were positive for all sorts of social diseases. It said you were flunking out of all your classes. It said you were late for your parole, and you were being drafted, and that the president himself hated you. I couldn't believe it. How could this be the Janet that I love? And then I realized that wasn't your house. You were visiting a friend. My face was red. <laughs> and you know, Janet, I realized something. It's probably best if I don't read your mail. I could go to jail, and then you wouldn't marry me. And so I never actually got around to reading your actual mail. But I guess I will once we're married. Because half of it'll be mine, right? 
So make sure that you don't read each other's mail out there, because you could go to jail. My name's Brad Majors. This is my fiancée, Janet Weiss. 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 And this is Celebrity. Where are they now in history? On Cast and Wax. Nathan Van Etten saves Vermont! By Charles Berman, Mickey Weishner, and Pete Bowers. Episode 2. Gee, it would sound exactly like that. Always uh-uh. cataloging my life and adventures. Plus 10 to storytelling, if you ask me. Or this. Oh, he was so great. I have to get him back. Ooh, Else my life will become one. nothing but a cobalt mini oh, story oh, arc. Nope. And I can't even wield a spear. Then why did you try to bring one, Nathan? Because this is war, Jane! I want my head monologuer back at any cost! Right, Nathan, the voice again. Normally I don't find schizophrenia is cute, but it's so becoming on you. Thanks, Jane. But you know I'm not Irish. But I do like soda. And bread. Oh, God. Bread. Hang on, let me try this. Yar! Look at me! I'm Nathan McEdson, but Irish! Have some haggis! Or kibbles! Yar! Well, at least you're not talking about the voice anymore. Oh, my missing head companion! Where have you dimensional Dorid to? Nathan, I know you're concerned about your head thing, but let's keep that to ourselves while we go through customs, okay? I think it would be safest if we waited until we were in private. Meet the speckled moonlight of a love boat. Wasn't that the show like Gilligan's Island? Without Gilligan? Or the island? The skipper was on the Atkins diet, I think. Do you have anything to declare? I sure do. I never watched that Firefly show, but I'm glad they canceled it. Their fans are insane. I happen to be a brown coat, sir. And that's not what I meant. What did you meant? I am twicely confused now. This is customs and security, sir. Well, then you can be secure in the knowledge that I will respect your customs. I should have been a diplomat. Greetings, Irishman. Yar! No, officer. He doesn't have anything to declare. Have your bags been out of your possession at any time? Well, I'm not sure how long they've been circulating before we bought them. And then they were in the attic for God knows how long. It's scary up there. All those nails and cotton candy everywhere. Oh, and then when we got here, my backpack was out of my possession for like 15 minutes. What? She had it! Yes, officer. I had it. Okay, then. What? Aren't you going to put her through the grueling interrogation? Well, yeah. And you, ma'am? Nope. Okay. Wow. That was intense. All right. If you could both remove your shoes, please. Oh, do you really need them? Do they not pay you that well here? Here, take them. I have another pair at home. Go with peace, my friend. God damn it. I cannot believe they employ witches at the airport. She wasn't a witch, Nathan. She was just checking you for anything metal. I know a wand when I see one, Jane. It might have even been the end of her broomstick. Though why one would want a light-up beeping broomstick is beyond me. It wasn't a broomstick, it was a wand. Aha! So she was trying to cast a spell on me. Oh, Nathan, I adore you so much more when you play dumb. You think this is a game, Jane? This is serious! 
witches, teleportation circles, women touching my privates and asking me to take off my shoes only to put them back on again. And now I'm going to fly. This is not a game, Jane. This is an adventure. Forward to the prize. Exactly, Nathan. We're going to go and get your prize. Aren't you excited? We're going to be in Vermont. Jane, this is not how you start an adventure. You know what excitement leads to? TPK. We need to be calm, rational, and oh my god, where are my gummy bears? I'm sorry, Nathan. I must have thrown them out when we got here. But look, there's a Mr. Bulky right here. I'll buy you all the gummy bears you want. Well, what if I want all of them? Checking my bank account now. Jane, I was kidding. That's weird. You usually know my thoughts before I do. This is far less of that reassuring creepy I'm used to. Oh god, everything is changing! Oh, I know you were kidding, Nathan. Did you really think I only have one bank account? See, look here. That's my account. And that's your personal needs account. Thanks, Jane. That's reassuringly frightening. Alright, Nathan. Let's grab those gummy bears before the plane leaves. Oh, Nathan, it's a free meal. We can just order it and save it for later if you want. Okay, fine. Um, I'll have the bananas foster. I'm sorry, sir. We actually can't set anything on fire in coach. All right, fine. I don't know what the kosher is, but I'll have one of that. All right, sir. Roasted chicken and dessert cake. Anything else? Same for me, please. Of course. I'll be with you shortly. Okay, Nathan, I've been looking over the pamphlet for the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Contest. Everything is organized here on page two. Itinerary, presentation of the award, hotel room service, the whole nine yards. But here's the weird thing. According to the Blagablag... Blagablag? What's that? Why, it's only the hottest maple syrup chat site on the web. Anyways, according to Sticky Fingers 907325, there's rumor spreading that the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Factory and Corporation is going out of business which I find very peculiar. Why are they having this enormous contest if they're going to be closing their doors soon? What? And this grand prize of all this money and free syrup. There's no way that their stockholders would be happy about such a waste of already lost money. That's it! Beast mode engage! And B. Davis tall oak maple syrup closing down on my watch? What's next? No apples inside iPods? What's third? Blankets with sleeves? I say nay! Nay, I say! Nathan, calm down. Jane, I am away from my syrup and dice with no head friend to comfort me. I am not to be trifled with. We have to save the Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Factory Incorporation from closing down. If they fall, who else will? I hop, Bisquick! The UN democracy, Bisquick! Do you think I shall stand idly by while the noble, innocent Vermontians are no longer employed to shove spiky bits into trees for their delicious blood? And what about the children? They like syrup too! Think of how many will miss out on the joys of diabetes having earned it from NB! But Jane, Jane, do you know what the worst thing of all is? The pinnacle of this great atrocity? No, Nathan. What? If we don't stop this Serapian genocide, then my breakfast will forever go unsweetened! I said nay before, but again, I say nay! I am a force of nature likened unto a tsunami across the Japanese coastline! Or even worse, 
Godzilla surfing on that tsunami! This... This is no time to sit idly by and mourn the loss of what is not yet dead in it, dead it. They can take away my Ectocool, but they can never take away my Syrup! Now is the time for man! Now is the time for action! This is a hijacking! Oh, Nathan! Hold it right there, you blight of blighty. Horses! Mr. Van Etten? Dad, what are you doing here? Oh, didn't you know so? This is where I spend my spare weekends, hopping to and fro across the earth in these metal birds. In the name of the Irish Republican Army! Yar! Right! In the name of the IRA, I am hijacking this plane to London! Don't you mean Vermont? Ah, crap. Well, I've already hijacked it. Vermont is great also. So, there. Ha! How about you, Vermontians? Sir, I advise against this course of action. Hijacking a plane is highly dangerous and completely illegal. If you do not cease and desist your present course right now, I will have no choice but to take physical action against you. Ah, what does a royalist like you care about human lives? First of all, whether I can be considered a royalist is highly debatable. Second of all, I don't particularly care about most of the human lives on this plane. Yar! Just that one. Ah, well, well now, a greasy little fella, isn't he? Nobody calls my son greasy and gets away with it, except during the Pygmy Face Painting Festival. You bog-walking leprechaun! Oh, good one! Pia! Wow! Nathan, your dad is incredible! That must be where you get all of your valor from! If you think this is impressive, you should see when the Mormons come knocking door to door! You see, son, that's why most of my bags have the word Sky Marshal written on them. As you were, citizens. Nothing to see here. Just a terrorist being put to fisticuff justice. Never again will this Irish bastard hijack a flight to Vermont. You know, Irish bastard really describes most of Ireland. I was already aware. Nathan, are you alright? No, Dad! The Ann B. Davis Tall Oak Maple Syrup Factory Incorporation is going out of business! Good riddance to bad rubbish, I say. God, Dad, you never say or do anything useful! Yar! In that lesson from the life of Nathan Van Etten, Nathan Van Etten was Mickey Weishner, Jane was Aaron Morrissey, Nathan's dad was Daniel Schwartz, the customs official was Julia Adams, PA was Charles Berman, flight attendant was Ed Jones, and the Irish terrorist was Charles Berman. Thank you very much, and now we have uh, we have a bunch of letters. Uh, just to save time, I'm going to have each person who they're addressed to read the section. The first one is addressed to all of us, so so um, we're going to have to fudge it a little bit. But to uh, this one's from Lauren Raza. It says, to everyone again, I have a question for everyone. Rory, you read the first part. My first question is to Rory, would you do an extra historical reading for me? Second question, how could someone like me get into extra history and discover new worlds? Not just bad ones where it would make the current world that I'm in better, but other worlds where maybe it might be better. And in that world, I might be saying that in this world, the one we're in now, is the one that in Indeed, the one that is gloomed and worse than the happier one that is the other world. Well, uh, Lauren, the answer to your question is uh, you just start doing it, but you do have to enroll in the extra historical program at a school to get accredited in it, which I think you should do. Um, it, it, we have reasonable rates at the Hirohito Loveberg Institute, so please uh, get in touch with us. We will take your money and we will give you a degree and eventually you will get accreditation after a few years of time. And will you do an extra historical reading for us? Yes, uh, there is a world, though, where I won't. So that's a worse world than this world. Good point, good point. 
point. The next one's for Scape. Scape, did you memorize it? I did. Uh, the next question is for Scape. Since you left Europe and such, do you still have the rocker life and the attitude of, I could do what I want because I'm a bad butt? Side note, I know that on the radio podcast there was no cursing, hence I said butt instead of the other word. By the way, Scapey, you will forever rock in all that is rock. I sing, and if you ever want to do a duet with me, that would be awesome and totally wicked. Smile. Okay, so answer the question. Uh, what was the question? I think, are you still, do you, do you still have the rocker life and attitude that you want, that you do what you want? Yeah. Okay, good to know. Uh, next question is for Jordan. Since you work at Marvel and such, is that where some of your ideas have come from for the most of the serials that you've created and that have been on the podcast? No, not at all. I created almost all of the serials that I created back before I worked at Marvel. Um, like uh, Guard Duty and, I mean, obviously Guard Duty is inspired by the fact that I like comic books, but I didn't work at Marvel back then. I was well before Marvel. Guard Duty, Epic Echoes, Decker and Hayes, uh, all of those things were before, uh, like Mother, like daughter. All of those were before I worked at Marvel. Since I worked at Marvel, I did create two. I created Octopus Set and I created Science Girl Cinnamon, which you will see soon, but Science Girl Cinnamon is clearly not influenced by Marvel. It's got some pretty strong influences, I think you'll know. Uh, and then the Frank Allen section. Oh, uh, yep. Lastly, for Frank Allen. Frank, I understand that you're not doing as well as you once were, and for that, I'm sorry. Have you ever thought about hosting auctions or seeing if the local DJs might want to host kind of a substitute teaching, but it would be substitute hosting? Uh, the other question I have for you is that you used to do Frank Allen interviews. What about doing a Frank Allen interview on yourself to clear your name and prove what you did, even though it was murder? Uh, had some just cause. This is an idea I've been very broke before, even lost my job over seven years, so I know what you're going through, but for the record, I have never killed anyone, just to make that clear. Well, as you heard, I did exactly that. I did try to clear my name. It didn't really work out that well. Or, from the other point of view, I did do an interview with Frank Allen, and it was a really good one, and I scooped him. I think I, uh, I really busted him, and I think it will really further my name as an interviewer, because I really gave it to him. That is one way of looking at it. Okay, uh, you guys are overall still awesome. This is the rest of the letter. And I'm still catching up from previous episodes, as well as current. Lauren. Uh, okay, next one is, Dear Jordan, I just wanted to tell you that I am very hurt by what you did. I wrote in telling you what a big fan I was, and how much I love your show, and when I had a simple request for you to relay a message to Frank Allen, which would possibly advance his career, you threw it out. How inconsiderate to both your fans and your friends. Is there another way I could get in touch with Frank to offer him the job? Glenn Beck. Glenn, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. Um, but, you know, hope you keep listening to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I don't listen to yours and I don't like you. So there you are. Um, let's go on. Wait, what was the part about me? No, no, it wasn't addressed to you, so we don't have time to do it. Uh, next one's for Rory. Dear Rory, thank you for your limitless magnanimity in taking the only reasonable course of action and granting me the extra historical scholarship. I will be on my way to New York immediately to take advantage of the opportunity. Please be aware that I have voluminous amount of extra historical research material in my archives that I must transport, so I will need some money for that. And if somebody is already occupying the largest accommodations in the dormitory, it will be necessary for them to be moved out. Where shall I meet you? Carl Michael, Jean-Baptiste Saint-Seraph. Um, Carl Michael, I'm afraid... Um, uh, you know, the semester doesn't start until the end of summer. So, you do not want to move to New York yet. Or if you do, you'll have to live on your own. And as as for giving you money to move, I'm afraid we don't do that. We don't cover that. But I would recommend, actually, that you leave this vol voluminous amount of extra historical research there. Because you don't need it. Uh, frankly... I think anything you did before is probably amateur at best. We're going to teach you how to be a professional. So all the things you've done in the past, you can leave behind. Uh, we will we will take care of you. And as far as giving you the largest accommodations, all the dorm rooms are the same size. And they don't have room for voluminous amounts of research. So the point is, don't worry about it. Come to me in New York at the end of the summer. Uh, we'll give you the dates. We'll send them to you, you know. And, uh, and then you'll you know, start classes. Excellent, excellent. And the last letter is uh, for Frank. Go ahead. Uh, yes, oh, it's another one from Lauren. Uh, Frank, as I stated in the previous letters, I was going back to the beginning and listening to all of the Cast and Wax episodes, and when you had accused Lynn of killing, by the way, uh, accusing someone of an act of murder without probable cause isn't nice and against the law, by the way, if you didn't know, hmm, aren't you already in trouble for murdering someone already? So this would make two things. I, no, I didn't murder. It wasn't murder. I mean, we didn't get to talk about it on the interview, but, uh, but from what I've heard, I don't remember you ever saying you were sorry to Lynn. Whoa, well, I I've met Lynn, and she's a nice person and a nice girl. 
okay. Uh, so the fact that you accused her of murder had another friend of mine, Charles Berman, suffer police brutality. Did you ever apologize to him? All because you wrongfully accused someone of murder, but then went around and murdered someone yourself. Uh, no. But I didn't hear Lynn and Charles saying sly things about your murder, but you should have made sure that every other word in the proceeding before the Slam Jackson proved her innocence about Lynn being the one who murdered Alan. You mean Alan Thomas, yes. Uh, what do you have to say for yourself? How do you sleep knowing that you killed an innocent person? Shame, shame. I did not have to kill an innocent person. He was not innocent. And this is what happens in a world of karma. Uh, you could have saved yourself if you had just apologized to Lynn. Lauren, P.S. This had to be done, sir. No, come on, Lauren. I, that's This is totally not true and not fair. First of all, it, I was never convicted of murder because it wasn't considered murder because of all the circumstances surrounding it. As you know, lots of people were in danger. I saved lives. Maybe not all of them, but as many as I could. The point is, I am not a murderer, madam. And as for Lynn not being a murderer, and as for Lynn getting an apology from me, I think you, madam, should talk to Patsy Kennedy about whether or not you should believe something. Mainly the thing of whether Lynn is a murderer or not, because I think he will have some choice words for you, starting with the word don't. So I don't think I need to apologize to Lynn, to Charles... I'm sorry. Charles, I didn't mean to get you beat up. I didn't know. It's not my fault you got beat up, but there you are. So, I mean, I'm sorry that it happened to you, but I'm not sorry because it wasn't, I didn't do it. Very magnanimous. Okay, um, so that is all for the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, Scape is going to now play us out with a song he is doing a cover of. It's a cover of a Grateful Dead song. Scape, do you want to say anything about it? I think it must be about me. It's called A Touch of Grey. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, here we go. Be seeing you. Two, three, four. Must be getting early. Cracks are running late. Another morning sky Looks so funny Dawn is breaking everywhere Light a candle, curse the grill Got a curtains, I don't care Cause it's alright I will get by I will get by I will get by
Although the rent is in arrears, the dog's not been fed in years. It's even worse than it appears, but it's all right. The cow is giving kerosene. raced through the episodes uh, so far today was actually because I wanted to get to this. Um, Lynn was over our house, you know, our good friend Lynn Nelson, and uh, she and Scape started having a conversation, and so I secretly recorded it. Uh, I didn't want them to know, but it's pretty amazing, so uh, I wanted to share it with you. Anyway, here it is. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to spell. Lynn, are you ready? Lynn! No. Well, listen to me. You, here's how you spell the, the word you. Y-O-U. Okay? That means you, not me. Yeah, you. Right. That's how you spell it. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm trying to make is you said Y-O-U. So that has a U in it. We just said you spell you, Y-O-U, so you have to replace the U in Y-O-U with Y-O-U. <laughs> so you spell it Y-O-Y-O-U. And then you have to replace that U with a Y-O-U, so you spell Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-U. And then you have to replace that U with Y-O-U, so you go Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O-U. And then, basically, what I'm trying to say is forever. You do that. You have to yo, do yo, that. Yo, 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 But you pronounce it you. No, why? Are you? Why W-H-Y? Why does that... Why would you spell Why W-H? I don't have to say that. You... You haven't explained yourself sufficiently, Steve. You haven't listened sufficiently. Listen. Y-O-U is how you spell the word you, as in you, not me. You. It's not how you spell the letter you. What? No, you spell the letter Y-O-U. No, you don't. You just spell it you. It's well, just it a has letter. a U in it. Yeah, a U, not a Y or an O. But about Y-O-U, it says you. Yes. The okay. word, not the letter. So, yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, the way you spell, right, okay. How do you spell you? Which one? You. You the word or you the letter? What is the difference? Why okay. are you is okay. the answer. I'll tell you. It's why I'm you. You're wrong. Well, I'm not. If you're talking about the letter of the alphabet, it's just you. That's all you use to spell it. Is I use you. The letter U, yeah. Just you. So what do you one use? One letter. That's what I use to spell the letter U. Why are you? No. Why? 
Just the U part. The U. Yeah, the U. The okay. letter U. So, but you can spell U Y O U. So you can. If you're using the word that. I am using the word U. How do you spell the word U? Y O U. So okay, then you gotta replace the U with a Y O U. No, wait, hold on. If you're like, hey you, you could replace that U with Y O U because that's how you spell it. Yeah. But okay. when you're looking at the so word Y O U, yeah, yeah, Y O U, you, the word U spelled Y O U. When you're looking at that, you don't replace the third letter of that word with Y O U. If you if you want to spell it. No, if you want to spell it wrong. <laughs> no, I want to spell it right. Y O U. That's not how you spell the letter. The letter doesn't get extra words. It just gets the letter U. The letter isn't get words. The letter gets letters. Letters. No, it doesn't. Well, you, you just said it did. It doesn't get extra letters. It gets one letter. Okay, how do you U. spell Y? The letter or the word? The letter. Y. So you replace the Y with a Y. You don't need to replace it. It's just there. You don't replace anything with itself. How do you spell O? The letter or the word. What is the difference? One is a letter of the alphabet. It's in a string of letters that are single letters. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, if you're just going to spell it, how do you spell the letter? The letter, letter or the, the letter? Yeah. Oh. So, okay, so you go Y-O-Y-O-U. Why? O-U. No, I don't understand. It's a word. It's a question. Why? Explain for Wait, how do you spell it out? W-H-Y. Yeah, actually, hold on, Scape. In your scheme of things, what you are really doing in an infinite loop is W-H-Y-O-H-Y-O-U. Wait, what? You're taking the letters Y-O-U. Okay, so then you gotta go W-H-Y-O-U. W-H-W-H-W-H-Y-O. No, you can't. You can't get to the O. You can never get to the O. You gotta keep doing W-H. You gotta start doing another Y. Okay, W-H with a rhyme over it. That no, that fun. doesn't work in letters. That means forever. And then you do... No. Oh, man. Then you gotta do O. Escape, I want to teach you something. Oh, we have a ride over at H. So W-H-O, we have a ride over at H. Oh, I'm never going to get to the end of this word. I can't do it. No, because you're spelling everything wrong. Escape, listen to me. When you use lines in letters. Okay, you, what, what your dad taught you is that when you use lines over numbers, it means they're infinite. Yeah. Okay, it's different in words. Well, how do you do infinite letters in words? You don't. You never need to. When you use a line over a letter, you can only do it over vowels. It makes you pronounce them differently. How do you pronounce? You have to say them forever. No. Ooh. I can't. I gotta read. Okay, break this down for me. Going back to numbers. <sighs> I'm trying to figure it out. Listen, listen, listen. Okay. Just go to numbers. Okay, yeah. say you have the number. Do you understand decimals? Do you know what a point is? No. What's three point? Three point two. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't. let's do something you'd never do. How about you just have the letter, th the sorry, the number three. Okay, three. With a line over it. Okay. That means three infinite. Yeah. Right? That's a lot. You use the line because you can't possibly write or say three infinitely without stopping. Yeah, you have to. Right? You're indicating it with a line. Oh, you have to read. Okay, so... You don't have to worry about ever saying it infinite or, or writing it out Three, infinitely. Okay. Okay? You just have a line and that means infinite. That's what you I was trying to understood. do. That's what I was trying to do. Okay. So and letters. No, no, wait, 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 wait. You're with me here? You're with me here? Where? A number has a line over it. It means it's infinite. Yeah. It means you're supposed to understand that it's infinite. You don't have to try saying or writing it infinitely. Okay. You just understand. So sure. there's a line. Okay? That's only in numbers. In letters, sometimes you see a line over a letter. Okay? Okay. It's a vowel. So it's probably A, E, I, O, or U. I don't think they do it with Y. 
We are talking about why. Don't worry about why yet. You're really talking about you. I want you to tell me why. I'm getting there. So you have a, a line over A, E, I, O, or U. Well, it tells you... I'm trying to put a line over you. You say I can't do it. You can, but it doesn't mean infinite. It means say ooh, not uh. It's a different way of pronouncing the letter. You do say ooh and you. Yeah, but sometimes if it's part of a word, you say uh, like uh, bug. Like uh, what? Yeah, or bug. No, no, no. Or mug. I'm trying or... to write out how to say this, how to spell this word, okay? Why are you? No, that's too simple. No, there's a difference between spelling I'm... a word and spelling an infinite word. I'm trying to do the wrong form. What? Do the wrong form spelling. That's only in numbers. No. Skip, how do you understand math and not spelling? Okay, let me just work this out. W-H. Oh, no, now I'm a little freaked out. Here's why. How do you spell H? Is W like... W. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <sighs> it depends on how you write it. It's called a W. It can look like two U's or two V's. Well, that's, that's weird, but okay. Okay, so how do you spell this word? Because now I was going to say here's how you spell U, but now I have to replace the W in the U with two of the U. Wait, where is the W in the U? When you spell the Y. Okay. So I want to say W H. <laughs> Uh-huh. With a line over it. No, W-H-O with a line over it. H. So you're back to the initial problem because to make a W, you need Y-O-U, Y-O-U. Yeah. So the problem is, okay. So let's say you have W-H-O with a line over it followed by H. W-H-O? Yeah. Well, because then you get mm -hmm. to... No, because then you get to O and O is spelled O-H. And O-H has an O in it, so you have to replace the O in O-H with O-H. Or maybe that's lots of H's, Wait, too. why are you putting lines over some and not over others. Why do you okay, spell this so, word infinitely? So really, okay, so really you have, no, do you know how, I think you know how to spell it is like two H with a line over it. Okay, you have to break that down for me. Okay, here's how, here's how it works, right? Uh, well, we're talking about the word you, right? So the red, that's spelled Y or you. Right? So, we replace the U with Y-O-U, and then we replace the U with Y-O-U forever. But what about the Y? Okay, well, we replace the Y with W-H-Y, and then we have to replace the Y in that with W-H-Y, and then we have to replace the Y in that with W-H-Y forever. So, W-H-infinity. But, then we have to replace the W with two U's, which we just said is Y-O-U, but then the, 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 the Y is W-H-Y. So, like, that's a lot of... So every time you have a W, you replace it with, with the U. And every time you have a U, you replace it with Y or U. And every time you have a Y, you replace it with W-H-Y. And every time you have an O, you replace it with O-H. And every time... So the only letter you don't replace is H. So basically, eventually, you're going to get an infinite number of H's. I have a question, though. What's your question? Why are you trying to spell things infinite? I'm just doing the wrong form spelling. There's no such thing. Really? Are you inventing long form spelling? No. It's just, it's, it comes, it's, it's obvious. Because when well, it's, it's not, because well, we've been it working is. it out for like an hour. I mean, it's obvious that this is a thing. I didn't make it up. What? It's just clearly, because you have, you said how do you spell you? Why are you? How do you spell why? 
Uh, W-H-Y. How do you spell O? O-H. But you're still confusing the words with the letters. No, you have to focus on the letters. No, when you spell W-H-Y, it's a word with a meaning that is different than the meaning of the letter Y. Wow. Because you use letters to make words that have meaning. One of them is Y. One of them is Y the letter, which you need as a foundation. Yeah. To make Y the word. Yeah. But they're different. They mean different things. Uh, I don't think they do. They do. Why do you say that? That's a question you just asked me using the word Y. It helped you ask okay, me questions well, well, of the no, meaning of what I'm talking here, about. Here's why I think you're wrong. You ready for this? Because... I am so ready. You just have to use logic. <laughs> okay? Uh-huh. You're saying you spe- the, the letters are different from the words, right? Yep. That doesn't make any sense. Because... How do you spell you? Okay, we have a word that says, Why are you? It means you. The person that is you. And if you spell it, Why are you? Just just use your, your logic. You're like, why? Oh, you. So it means you. What? Why? Oh, you. There's no logical argument there. W-H-Y, question mark? Oh, comma, you. Why? And the answer is, oh, me? Yeah. So that's... That's not anything you would ever talk about. That doesn't make sense. It makes perfect... That's how the word came about. No, it's not. That's... I think that's clearly how it got spelled. Because they were saying you, and they were like, what does that idea mean? And it's like, why are you like that? Isn't this what you're learning in rock school, Escape? No. I don't know. I haven't done rock school in a long time. Yeah, I know. Well. I, I thought you didn't know how to read or write. I don't. So how do you know how to spell? Well, first of all... If you knew how to spell, you could read. I know how to spell some words. Okay. Like you. And then you just taught me how to spell Y. Mm-hmm. And O. Okay. Um, if you're looking at a piece of paper... I don't know what letters look like, though. What? I don't know what letters look like. You can talk about them conceptually without knowing them visually? I could, yeah, I know a lot of things, yeah. Do you know colors? Yeah, I know colors. Wait, whoa, 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 No, I don't understand how you can know something Why? conceptually. Why? Oh, you. Oh, I'm the reason? No, I'm just explaining the you thing again. I think but your reasoning is that the question is why, and the answer is, oh, you. Yeah. So your question is why, and the answer is me. No, that's you said, oh, you. W-H-Y. That's yeah, the question. Made of the letters. Yeah. The letters are symbols, and we put them together to make bigger symbols that mean different things. Okay, so then if somebody was like, W-H-Y, guys... They don't say it. They say, Why? I know, I know, but I'm saying that's how they spelled it. Yeah, in writing. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what about it? That's how they figured it out. They were like, W-H-Y. I'm having a problem here, dear listeners. What? Because, look, you won't remotely understand this, but... You, you you have, like, the weirdest concept of how language came about. No. Yeah. It's just people were talking about stuff. That's it. Okay. Escape, I'm going to blow your mind. You're not going to get it. Okay. Well, then you're not going to blow my mind. English I'm... was not the first language. Well, so what if it wasn't? So it's not that someone went, oh, there's a totally logical way to make these symbols and put them together. Like W-H-Y, guys. It, it evolved languages and languages ago. There were other languages that put these things together in different ways. And that language evolved through many forms whatever, to get here. Whatever. Whoever did it originally was like W-H-Y. No, W-H and Y didn't exist then. They were totally different symbols. But they were the same basic thing. No, they weren't at all. They had a thing that meant Y, right? No, probably not originally. Uh, what? No. They had a thing that meant you. Initially, they, no, initially they had symbols that were like, Buffalo. And so they were like, they, so they were like, hey, come here. 
And then somebody was like, who? And they were like, I, I can't say because there's no word for it. No, they, by the time they had enough language to say, hey, come over here, they had you too. Yeah, so at some point they had you and they had why. Yes, at some point. So somebody was like, come over here. And they go, who? He goes, you. He goes, why? He's like, who the f said so? Come here. So they had letters. Yes, at some point that entire conversation was able to transpire in writing and in speech. But okay, not, that's my point. But not originally. Well, what do you mean originally? You're going, you're going, okay, here's how they figured out w how to spell you. Because they went, why? Oh, you. Yeah. They put other words together to make a word. Yeah, that's, that's how you're saying. And so, okay, so in another language, they have a different word for you. Yeah. How do they say it? There are lots of other languages. <sighs> there are a couple of words. I'll tell you about the one I know. It's called French. Okay, why? <sighs> there are two words. No, just pick one. Two. Okay. Now how do you spell, now how do you say why? Pourquoi? Now how do you say H? H. So you say pourquoi H too? No. Yeah. But that means absolutely nothing in French. That's how you spell why, uh, you, I mean. That's how you spell you. In English? Yeah. It wouldn't make any That's sense That's how in you French. spell it in English in, in English, French. In, <laughs> in English, when you say to me, why, oh you. Are you? It's incorrect, but because I speak English and I know all of those words, I understand the logic you're putting together. Yeah, I got it's, it. It's fallacious, but I understand. In French... Oh, how do you say H? I mean, how do you say O? I said the same H, but I meant to say O. Oh. So they have the same words. Spelled differently. They, no, they don't have the word O. They don't go, oh. They don't. That thing. No. So what's O? The word O? Yeah. The equivalent of the word O? Yeah. Usually they say ah. Ah? Mm hmm So, pourquoi? Nope. Spelled totally differently. What do you mean, spelled totally differently? The wa. Wa. In pourquoi. Ah. Is U-O-I. That's going to be infinite again, because we're trying to spell you. So, how would you do that? So, it would be like... Hold on. There's more. To, do you want to know all the letters? No. That's French. Look. I'm talking you about... You asked about other languages. But I already told you how to spell it in French. You don't believe it. No, I don't. I'm telling you now, English. <laughs> Wait, what was it in French? Pourquoi-tu? What? No, Pourquoi-tu? There was something else in there. Ah! <laughs> Pourquoi-tu? Okay, thank you. What does that mean in French? You? Well, yeah. But I meant the words. Why? Oh. You. Yeah, that's how they figured it out. No, they don't call it Y, O, or you. Well, they call it O. Okay. But Y and you are, are said to I'm reading. Okay, you don't have to. Because you just said Y and you. In English. Yeah. If they want to say the letter Y, they don't say Y. Why not? Because that's not how they pronounce it. So they say Y not? No. So I, I don't know about French. I'm talking about English. Okay. My dad studied English. Mm -hmm. So that's how I know it. He still uses it improperly sometimes, though. No. Yeah. He's he told me he knows it. He knows it. Yeah. Sure. Most All of us of know it. it. All of it. All of it. Yeah, I think so. Every single word in the English language. He must, but I learned it from him, okay. so I know a lot of it. So why are you? Is like so it's like two H, but forever. <laughs> Is just the H forever or the two H? I think both. I think both have to be forever. So that would be two, 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 two,
Do you want to hear about something? Yeah. The number two. Yeah. You spell T W O. What? Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be like T. Oh Jesus. Which is like T E E. So it's like so it's like T H forever. Well, no, there's E's. T E E. Right? T E E. That's how you spell T. That's how you spell T. Mm-hmm. How do you spell E? Just E. So it's T E H forever. That's how you spell U. Hold on, there's more. What? Because there's T and then there's W. Yeah, but W is spelled with two U's, which is spelled T-E-H forever. Okay, and then there's O. O is spelled O-H forever. O is replaced, so it's just H. Okay, so T-E-H forever? No, you got me really confused. Okay. How about... So O is H forever. And U is... It's got an O in it, so it's got H forever. And W is... I mean, what? I mean, why is... W, which has H. So how many H's, just Y or U? Why does W have H? Because W is two U's and U has H. Okay, okay. With lots of it. Okay. So there's like so many H's in Y or U. Like, like a million. Have you thought about other words yet? Or are you just stuck on U? What do you mean about other words? Like, scape? How do you spell scape? I, I don't matter. <laughs> Why do you bother spelling you? We were just, we were talking about it. Okay. I was just bringing it up. Because you were like, hey, and I was like, hey, that's it. That's how this started? Well, look, I said, I only know how to spell like, like four words. You mean letters? No, I mean like five or six words. Letters. What? Do you, have you figured out the difference between letters and words yet? Okay, I will tell you how to spell. Y-O-U is you, duh. W-H-Y is Y, O-H is O, T-E-E is T, Rain. He's shaking his head right now. It's Rain! I would just, I'd rather just spell it with a T. What? Scape! That's what, it just would be better. But also, what else? No, uh, no. You would rather just spell T, T, the letter T? Yeah! You understand spelling a letter just by using it? Well, yeah, this is like H. And like O, and like U. No, those have different words in them. They know. Look, also, I don't know how to spell mice fur. Uh-huh. Go ahead. M-F. How do you spell M? M. E-M. E? Mm-hmm. M-F starts with E? Mm-hmm. So does F. M-what? M is E-M. F is E-F-F. Maybe just There's two F's in F. There might be just one. E-M-E-F-F? Or E-M-E-F. I might be wrong. That's too many. Sounds like an infinite game. Look, I'll Look, moist food. M-O-I-S-T. No, hold on, hold on. I don't know what you're saying. I'm saying moist food. It's got two things in it. Sure. Moist mm-hmm. food. Those are words. Yeah, yeah. They're made but of they letters. But they each go just one, just one thing. Boop, <clears throat> like that. Boop, boop. Yep. So M-F, done. M-F and moist food are different. No, they're not. That's, MF that's is your, what I have. M-F is your nickname for moist food because M stands for moist and F stands for food. Okay. So M is a letter and F is a letter, but yeah, moist yeah, is a yeah, word yeah. made of letters and food is a word. Letter M and F. And O-I-S-T and O-O-D. No. Yeah. Then it would be like, how do you say moist food? M-O-O-S-F-I-O-D-G. Nope, that's moving. I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know what it spells. I'm saying there's just two. Burp, burp. That's how you say moist food. Burp, burp. Nope, you say moist food, not burp, burp. Yeah, but I'm saying, right, the rhythm of it is burp, Listen, burp. You, you don't seem to understand burp, the difference burp. between saying and spelling. Because you're like, how would you say moist food? 
You'd say moist food. You wouldn't go M-O-I-S-T-F-O-O-D. Okay, well, no, but that's what I'm saying. You have to have that many numbers in it. What numbers? Wait, moist food has two numbers. numbers. One, two, numbers. What the hell? Okay, okay watch. Moist, that's one. Food. Are you counting syllables? I'm counting the numbers of the figures in the words. <laughs> syllables. Well, maybe. Those are syllables. Okay, so how many? Two. One, sure. two. Moist food. Sure. So that's how many letters? M-F. Right? Because there's two words. Right, so that's all. And you're using the first letter of each word. So, well, you only need one because that's how many numbers are in it. So you just have how many numbers to... Okay, that's how many letters. So how many numbers are in scape? If I was like, hey, scape. Just one. Because it's scape. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. One syllable. Okay. So I, would I just call you S? No, I mean I'm scape. Yeah, Moist Food's name is Moist Food. No, it doesn't have a name. It's a thing. Okay. So, so it doesn't have a name, so it's fine. It's called Moist Food. Okay. Or MF, for short. Uh, well, that's how I spell it. What? That's how you spell it! No! Yes? You don't know spelling. I do! Look! This is how you spell Moist Food. MF. How many numbers are in it? Two. How many letters are in it? Two. The first letter is M. The second letter is F. And then how do you get Oist? How do you get Oist? Yeah, no, that's what I said. How do you get Oist? That's what I said. O-I-S-T. What? Oist. Oist is not a word. No, Moist is. Yeah, M. O-I-S-T. O-U-S-T? O-I-S-T. Why did you do that? <laughs> because that's how what you do. It's Moist. That's what you do? It's moist. S-T. M-O-I-S-T spells moist. No, this is what you have to do. You have to use Roger, okay? <laughs> okay. I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. If you use M. The letter M. That means moist. So somebody's like, hey, how do we spell moist? And somebody else comes around and says, well, just put M. And then the other guy's like, no, there's more to it. Oh, I, S-T. What? That doesn't mean anything. Just put the M. Just put the M. Then how do you say, how do you spell me? What? Why wouldn't you just put the M for me? For you? The word me. The word. Or the word man. Or the word mom. Mom is my mom. Yeah, why don't you just call, say M instead of mom? I just call her mom. How do you spell mom? I don't. <laughs> Escape. What? I've, I've realized a problem. Okay. Just because you don't spell things when you say them. By the way, that's how it works. You say a word, you don't spell it out. You just say yeah, it. Sometimes mom. to show that you know how it's spelled, you just spell it. But, but when you normally say a word, you just say it. Right, when, remember a minute ago you were like, M O M O R A S T. Yeah, that was you trying to show off. But if I. Not showing off. Well, you're talking about spelling. I didn't care about I spelling. I am teaching you how to spell. Okay, just because you say a word instead of spelling it out doesn't mean it's not spelled a certain way. <sighs> Every word has a spelling. No, you said that <clears throat> when you say a word and spell it, it's different. Correct. Okay. So you say mom instead of saying hey M O M, come over here. M O M is how you spell mom. Moist or moist? So M is just moist. That's my point. <laughs> Mom is moist. No, lots of maybe I don't know. Lots of words are spelled with the word M in the front of them. The word M. No. Moist. You said moist. Moist is spelled with M. Yeah. So I is know. mom. So no. is man. You're getting it out. So is mammal. Okay. If that was true. <laughs> uh huh. Everybody would get confused. Yes, if you called everything M. Yeah, because it would be like, hey, M, and they'd be like. Hey, do you mean moist or do you mean mom? No, that's why you say the word. Well, okay, sure, that's what I do. Hey, mom. Yeah, hey, mom. Wait, but why do you call moist M? Because that's how you spell it! No. Well. You spell it M-O-I-S-T. No, you don't. I do. Well, you're wrong. No, I'm right. Well, 
EST. Stuff? Yeah, you go M O I S T. Are you saying I say moist? Oh, oh wait. I ST. Yeah! Like I'm talking to moist and saying, oh, I do that thing. It's called ST. That, that's what you're saying. No, I'm not. Well, that's what you said. Nope. You, I heard you say it. I spelled moist. Uh -huh. O I S T. Yeah, that's you just said it again. How about, you know what? Can we move on for a minute? Because you're going to be equally angry about food. You're angry. I'm angry. I'm wrong for Yeah, it's spelled F O O D. O O O O D? Nope. F O O D. Why are you doubling? Do you realize two things? That's how you make it food and not food. Because you realize That's things food. two times, you're like, oh, oh. D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. No? Nope. You just said it. <clears throat> I already knew about it. Then why did you say it? Because that's how you spell it. No. F. Food. F. O-O-D. No. How do you spell dude? You say that a lot. Yeah. How do you spell it? <sighs> Every word has a spelling scape. Why do you have to spell all the words? Because you're teaching me how to spell. Yeah, I'm teaching you. So okay, so I'm asking you how to spell I will tell you the pace to go on. For now, let's just focus uh -huh. on like, two words. Okay. Three words. What are they? Two words. What are they? Uh, you. Uh-huh. That's how you spell it. Uh, you spell it T-E-H. Infinity. Infinity. And then M-F is M-F. Okay. That's all you need. So that you, here's how, here's how you live your life. Okay? Those are the only words I need? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. What happens is you walk in to the room, okay? And what do you say? Hi. No. Hi, Skate. No. How are you? No, I'm, no. Hey, Jordan. I, nice to see you. I'm good. But listen, here's what we're going to do. We're, we're, you're going to be in a room, okay? I'm in a room right now. And I'm going to walk in, okay? Okay. And your line is going to be who? Why? Why would I say that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say my line first, oh, okay. and then you're going to be responding. It will make sense. Okay. So picture this. You're sitting in a room all by yourself. <laughs> Why are you sitting? I'm in a room all by myself. Is that what you do? Sometimes. Okay. I walk in, and what I say is... You want some MF? No, that's not your your line. I gave you a line. Let's start over. You're in a room all by yourself. Do, 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 do. Thank you. I walk in. MF! Who? You! No. Why you, I didn't give you a second round. I don't want to give you MF. But I, I didn't give you a second round. Stay directly. Well, I'm just supposed to go get you MF. That's well, the I'm the narrator. So then you go get me MF, yes. I get the narrator MF? No. <laughs> I'm also the leading man. That's confusing. You should have a narrator and a leading man. Okay, it's a it's an audio play, so you can't. So count. you could have three characters. Yes, I, I do a, a different voice. Watch. Once upon a time, Skype was. That's more than three words. I, 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 that's the narrator. He doesn't need. He my, needs more than three words then. Th that's not who I am. I'm the reader. But what if I'm the narrator? You're not. You do realize we've used like hundreds of words in this conversation. No, look, the reading man. That's me. Who needs the two? Once more time, Skype walked into a room. MF! Who? Me! I mean, <laughs> damn it! You're MF? No! You. I'm MF? You don't have another round. You just go in the. Then that scene makes no sense. <laughs> the only possible logical sense, without the use of other words to establish contacts, that that scene could make is you walking in the door and demanding moist food immediately. Wait, I see you getting ready to talk. Yeah. Demanding moist food immediately and me going, who is supposed to serve you that moist food? <laughs> and you saying, you. That's the only sense I can make of that scene. So what you're telling you got me. It. That's, that, was, that was what it was. What you're telling me is as a cat, all you ever need to do is demand MF. 
Okay. Oh, so you only need like three words. Let me, let me let me do a different scene for you. I'll do a totally different scene. Okay. This is Uranus. Hi, Scapey. Okay. How do I spell that? You don't have to. You're me. You say hi, Scapey, to yourself. No, the you who doesn't need words is me. I'm showing you how you don't need words because I'm demonstrating how I don't. Okay. But you were using the words high speed. No, you, but you're That's somebody. Me. Yeah, but you're somebody else. Okay. You're Ronald McDonald. What? You're having to be Ronald McDonald in this scene. I don't even know who he is. He was a guy. I am going to be Scapey or Lynn. What? I'm going to be Lynn. Scapey, I need some setting for this. Why would Ronald McDonald and Lynn be talking? They're about to just meet for the first time. Where? In, Here? In the living room, yeah. Oh. Ronald McDonald is coming over. Not in real life! This is a scene! Okay, but it doesn't make sense if he just walks in the room. No, he's already in the room! I'm gonna be you walking in the room. I'm playing him? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You're Ronald McDonald. What's my line? Your line is gonna be, oh, hi, Lynn. We haven't met yet? No, no, you're good. I mean, he knows, he knows who you are, you're famous. The point is, you walk in the room and he's like, oh, hi, Lynn, how's it going? Um, how's so, it good? How's it going? It doesn't matter. The point is, you're Ronald McDonald. I'm Lynn. Okay. okay, so, oh, here's the narrator. Somebody else, don't worry about it. Once upon a time, Lynn, uh, no, I mean, once upon a time, Ron McDonald was in a room, okay, and Lynn walked in. Now you say you're right. Oh, hi, Lynn. You! MF! What? No. And then Ron McDonald gets written MF. I'm just supposed to go do that? This is an audio play. <laughs> I just told you what happened. He got an MF for her. Lynn walked in and said, you, MF. And he went and did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's the end. That's the end of the... I mean, then she eats it. <clears throat> so I don't need any words in my life that don't directly work for the cause of getting me MF? Those are the... Yeah, basically. Those are the ones that, like... Escaping. Yeah? I don't need MF. <sighs> you eat MF. Well, okay. Well. <laughs> so how does that vocabulary help me? <sighs> Why don't you eat MF? Because it's cat food. No, it's mice food. Yeah, for cats. For cats. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm a cat. I'm not. Are you sure? Yes. How are you not? Have you sniffed me lately? <sighs> no. Here, sniff. Why? No, look. What's the difference? How do you know what? How do you not know that I'm not What's the difference? I don't like moist food. That's stupid. It's not tasty to me. Then why don't you even know why you're bothering running her spell? 